How you doing? Ah, welcome home. So glad you're here. We are finishing up uh, Revelation, the Bible today. Um, there'll be more, but not from Revelation. So, but we're going to start off in John chapter 14. So if you have your Bibles, open them to John chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, you'd like to use one, check under one of the seats in front of you. Uh, if you'd like to keep that, that's yours to keep. We'd love for you to have it. If you have a phone with the U version on it, boot that up and get that live event going because we're going to need your help. We've got a couple of polls that we're going to do. Um, it's spring break. It was crazy. Beginning of the nine, um, like there was nobody here. It felt like you missed a rapture or something, but then it filled up and we're good. A lot of people traveling. Um, your prayers for them. Glad you're here. One announcement. Two weeks from today, we are, it's Easter, and we are going to have a baptism service, and there are six people already signed up. We are so excited. Yes. <coughs> and if you have never been to a baptism service here, um, it is awesome, and it's about to get even awesomer, even awesomer. Why? Because we're going to take it up a few notches or five, and uh, there's going to be everything. We're talking confetti, streamers, flags, poppers, bells, horns, whistles, everything you got. Because here's why. Oh, it's going to be a mess. It's going to be great. Yeah, yeah Marlene's going, oh, Lord. No, it's good. It's going to be great. You know why? Because if we believe the Bible, then there's an incredible, unrestrained celebration going on in heaven Every time somebody comes to Christ, why would we be any kind of restrained here on earth in his church? So we're going to let it loose. It is going to be awesome. And if you want to be one of the people that we're celebrating, uh, you feel the call on your life to be baptized, come and talk to me today, today, because I'm traveling a little bit and we want to make plans and and get all prayed up. If you want to chat about that, come see me. Okay, um, today we're talking about the new heaven and the new earth. Um, and uh, I want you, uh, I want to give a shout out to Randy Alcorn. He's a pastor and an author who's written a book called Heaven. And if you haven't read it, I highly recommend it to you. It's very scriptural and it's very, uh, it's very good. And some of the things that I'm going to share with you today are inspired from, from his study and his writings. Now, um, Let's do our first poll. If you have the live event, if you don't, I'll read it to you so you can play along. It's called It's Crossed My Mind. Here's the poll question. How frequently do you think about heaven? First choice is always, always, daily or several times a day. Second is often, at least once a week. Third is sometimes when I see something really breathtaking. Fourth will is it will be, it will be what it is. What good is thinking about it? And the last choice is, what? Never? Uh, Never. I have three kids under the age of five with the flu. My in-laws are coming in five minutes. Dinner is burning. The phone is ringing. My husband is passing gas asleep on the couch. I feel migraine coming on. And you want to know if I'm thinking about heaven? Well, that's basically what it says. So we have 6% of you who have voted for that. I think... I think the wife that put that should raise her hand so we know who 
who does that on the couch. So anyway, let's see what our big vote getters were. It's tied between often, at least once a week, and sometimes when I see something really breathtaking. Okay, hang in there. We got another poll for you, and we'll be using that information. We sang a moment ago a song about heaven. We said, all I know is I'm not home yet because this is not where I belong. It's not where I belong. And C.S. Lewis put it well when he wrote, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for a different world. That's different world. That different world is what we're talking about this morning. That's what we're talking about. We are homesick for a place that we've never been, but yet we're created for. That is what we're talking about. And as we spend some time together this morning, as we look into God's Word, as I share some ways of thinking about it, I'm going to tell you some things this morning that I hope, that I pray, will make your heart soar, will make your mind dance, will make your soul rejoice, and your hopes leap for joy. In fact, these things are so good that you'll be tempted to not believe them because they seem too good to be true. But you must believe them because they are true. They are too good not to be true. And all of this beautiful, wonderful, fascinating, thrilling, life-transforming, radical truth has been largely ignored, at least in the biblical sense, by the American church for a few decades, when it used to not be so. In fact, we've traded the biblical truth and focusing on that of the afterlife and what God has planned for those who love him for novels that are written, some theologically good and some theologically bad, to take our cues about what comes after. And so today we want to reverse that. We want to reverse that. So what is it? What is it that we're in before we get there? Randy Alcorn writes this. You were on earth, live in the in-between world, touched by both heaven and hell. Earth leads directly into heaven or directly into hell, affording us a choice between the two. The best of life on earth is a glimpse of heaven. The worst of life is a glimpse of hell. For Christians, for, for those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, this present life is the closest they will come to hell. For unbelievers, for those who reject him, it is the closest they will come to heaven. Now, as we go forward, there's just one ground rule that we we need to establish. Um, We are going to focus on where Revelation chapters 21 and 22 focus, which is the new heavens and the new earth. That is different from what we think about as the present heaven where believers go now when they die. That is an interim place called paradise. It is the, uh, you know, that is, this is going to come as a shock to you, um, some of you. Heaven, the present heaven, is not biblically our eternal home. That is not, according to the Bible, 
where believers will spend eternity. Really? Really? The, the future heaven, the eternal heaven, if you will, is the new heavens and the new earth, heaven colliding with earth in this restored, renewed creation that we're going to take a look at. So, as we go forward, I want you to remember that that is what we're talking about. And when I use the word heaven, I'm talking about our eternal heaven and not the present heaven um, before Jesus returns, okay? So, there we are. Let's go. Let's see uh, in John 14 that Jesus wanted us to know about this, wanted us to be comforted by this, and wanted us to be thrilled about it. Here it is. John 14, verse 1. Jesus is speaking. Here's what he says to his friends. Here's what he says to us. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Okay. Okay, now, this is kind of a strange image of Jesus going away and preparing a place, coming back, taking it. But it would have been very, very familiar to his original hearers, to the apostles, to the people of that day. If you've been with us for a while, you know that occasionally we talk about our relationship to Jesus Christ being an intense, deep love relationship. And the best thing we have, the, the, the anchor, the hook that God has put on that, is equating it to a beautiful marriage of a man and a wife, okay? So it's like a marriage relationship. And at that time, in that culture, the engaged husband-to-be would leave and go away and prepare or build or get ready, renovate the house. And then he comes back and he takes his bride and they go off to live together happily ever after in, in, in beautiful provision. So that is the image that Jesus is, is, is providing for us. I'm going away when it's ready. It's it, in my father's house. There's place for you. I'm getting it ready. I'm going to come back, take you to myself. Okay, that leads to question two, the second poll. And the second poll is called, I'm getting there, I'm get, love it or list it. Okay, you ever seen the show? Okay, check it out, it's cool. Um, when you do think about heaven, what is your honest impression? First choice, it's amazing. Beyond my wildest dreams, can't wait to get there. Number two, it's probably good, but I'm in no hurry to find out. Number three, a never-ending church service, not my thing. <laughs> then why'd you come here? <laughs> He's funny. Uh, not my thing, really, but better than the hot place. The, the next one, wings, harps, clouds, boring. And the last one, I'd be happier if all consciousness ended at death. Let's vote. Let's refresh it. Let's see what we got. I think if it stands up, our top vote getter, yeah, is amazing. Beyond my wildest dreams. Can't wait to get there. Really glad. Second, it's probably good, but I'm in no hurry to find out. 
And, and third was a never-ending church service, not my thing really, but better than the hot place. Okay, I'm, I'm trying to take that. Uh, I want to paraphrase the composer and musician, uh, the late Keith Green, who said, if this earth took six days to create, and Jesus has been working on that place for more than 2,000 years, then this is a garbage dump compared to what he's got going on. And I want you to think about that. I want you to think about his promise in John 14. If Jesus is preparing a place for you, are you prepared to go there? Are you prepared to receive it? Some of us, maybe not. Because we may misunderstand what it is, right? What it's like. Gary Larson, very talented, very funny cartoonist, Farside, yeah? Any Farside fans? Well, Gary Larson had a very funny strip um, once. It was a guy who was sitting on a cloud. He had angel's wings, a halo. There's nobody around him. He's got this expression on his face. He's really, really bored. Some of you, look around. Some of you have that expression. And, and, and the captions tell what he's thinking. Should have brought a magazine. Now, now, I get that, and I get that, but, my friends, if you consider for a moment boredom, when you think of heaven, it's only because you know absolutely nothing about it. Heaven, the, the new heavens, the new earth is designed to fill and overflow all your deepest, purest desires that God has implanted in your DNA to want adventure and love and connection and exaltation and discovery and all of those wonderful things that we try. We try during this, during this time on earth to fulfill in some very destructive ways. There, it will not only be fulfilled, but overflowing in the best and most beautiful ways. John Eldridge, the author in his book, The Journey of Desire, wrote something very insightful that I agree with. Nearly every Christian I have spoken with has some idea that eternity is an unending church service. We've settled on an image of the never-ending sing-along in the sky, one great hymn after another, forever and ever and ever, amen. And our heart sinks forever and ever. That's it? That's the good news? And then we sigh. We feel guilty that we're not more spiritual. We lose heart and we turn once more to the present to find whatever life we can. If scripture points to anything, it's that eternity with Jesus Christ in the place that he has prepared will be in a marriage of the physical, the emotional, the spiritual, the experiential, the sensory, the relational. These things will be elevated and become more than you have ever, ever experienced or imagined. Not less. Not less so. In fact, the scriptures that we're going to look at in Revelation beg you to engage your experiential, sensory, relational feelings about this. It's huge and it's beautiful. So let's go. Let's go take a look at what awaits. Revelation chapter 21, 
We'll pick it up in verse 1. John writes this, And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as like a bride adorned for her husband. That's, that's the image we were just talking about in John 14. Do you see it? Now, what you have here is heaven colliding with earth in this beautiful, un, previously unseen combination that is literally heaven on earth. That is what he's describing. That is what he's talking about. That is beautiful. I want you to see, and I want you to remember that being with God, being with Jesus, seeing his face is, is the ultimate joy, is the ultimate treasure, and the source of all other joys there. Now, as we think presently about the present heaven, it is us leaving and going up to where God is. This, in eternity... In eternity, when Jesus returns, it is God coming down to live with us where we are. Not in our current digs. In a completely renovated, recreated, new heavens, new earth, which are breathtaking, stunning, amazing. And every beautiful thing you have ever seen is just a flea bite size of, of, of the glory that awaits. And that is what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. And unless we distinguish the present heaven from the new heavens and the new earth, it becomes very difficult to even picture what our lives might be like in that. Let's, let's, let's move forward and see, see what else. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death will be no more. Just hit the pause button. Some of you need to hear this. Because you have had more than your share of heartbreak. More than your share of tears. Even if they're self-inflicted does not matter. God will himself, he has counted those tears. He has counted your tears and he will wipe them away. I'm convinced not just the ones that were weeping at the time because of, because of the beauty, but all the tears of all your life, he will wipe away personally. He loves you that much. He comes. He's making all things new. He loves you. He's making it right. He's making up for the way evil and yourself and sin and others have beat you up at death and disease and misfortune and untrue people and circumstance. He is wiping it all away. Love wins. Jesus wins. He gives that victory to you. He will wipe away all your tears. He will not only say, like parents sometimes, don't cry. No more crying. I'll give you something to cry about. Nobody ever said that, right? Yeah, right. He's not going to only wipe away our tears, but compensate for all the things that caused them. Do you see? He's restoring everything that was lost in him. Okay, um, a pretty pathetic example. Here it is. You, you all look so funny now. Um, this, this, is my, this is my favorite pair of glasses. Now, I have several pairs of glasses, but this one, this one, this, this is the hot maker. 
you know, this. No, I just, Steph just threw up a little in her mouth. That's a, I love you, sweetie. No, they just fit right and they don't hurt me here. And, and st- I just like them. And I wear them most frequently. But a few weeks ago, I lost them. Well, when I was just on a business trip <clears throat> for Western, um, Shri and Rachel were rearranging our furniture for some reason. And they were under a part of the sectional. And they found them. So when I came home, Shri says, I have a surprise for you. And she gave me the glasses. And I, they were restored to me. Here's the thing. Because I had lost them and mourned their loss... Now that I have them, I love them more than I did before. You get that? Okay, you're saying, you're right, Tom, that was pathetic. Okay, let's go deeper. Let's go deeper. Your hearts have been broken. My heart was broken. Um, I loved my dad. I loved my dad. He was, uh, he was a big guy. Um, Paul Jacobs, kind of Kelly Medina, kind of big guy. When he hugged you, you were really hugged. You know what I mean? I'm 47 years old, and I still need that. I still need that, and I miss that. I loved my dad, and he loved me, and he loved Jesus. And at the age of 42, he was diagnosed with a very aggressive brain tumor. And he died at the age of 44 when I was 20. And I have no doubt where he is. And someday, someday when I stop breathing or Jesus comes back, whatever comes first, the first face I will see is Jesus, but hot on his trail. It's going to be my dad. And when I receive him back and he holds me again, and I know what it feels like to be his boy again, I will love him deeper from having lost him and having him restored. Do you get me? All of the things that we look back on with regret in the Lord will be restored in glory. And those people who love him will be the first on the list. It's incredible. Heaven, this could be its own series, and it may seem to you like it is, but this one section, heaven being the land of no more, take a look at it. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, no more tears. Death shall be no more, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. The former things have passed away. (coughs) And in their wake, joy and comfort and exaltation and love and celebration and worship and, and work as it was meant to be, as the thing you were created for, but you're never given the opportunity to do. You will do with great joy and great productivity as worship and celebration, and we will love and feast and, and, and see Jesus and do it all with him and for him and about him, and it's going to be amazing. Amazing. God never gave up on his original plan for you and I to live in in glory on the earth. So he is coming 
and recreating a resurrected earth in a resurrected universe with resurrected people enjoying a resurrected Jesus. That is what awaits you. Not this ethereal, cloud, harp strumming, old hymns singing all the time thing. It's, it's integration of every good thing that he's made into the way that he made it. And you and I just have glimpses of that. And the very glimpses fill us with incredible joy. Imagine if you could live in the glimpses. That's God's plan for you. That's God's plan for you. It would be as if you have the best day of your life again and again and again and again. No, this was the best day. It was better than, oh, wait, wait, wait. No, that's the best. No, 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 that, tomorrow, that, that. Again and again in never-increasing life, ever-increasing freedom, ever-increasing joy, ever-increasing faith in the arms of the one who made you and loves you and created you for that. Verse 5, And he was seated on the throne and said, Behold, I'm making everything new. I'm making all things new. He said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty. I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. It costs you nothing. It costs him everything to promise that and give it to you, right? The one who conquers will have this heritage, this inheritance, and I will be his God, and he will be my son, and she will be my daughter, and you will drink. It, the thing we are thirsty for is Jesus. To be known deeply and loved deeply, to be washed clean, to leave our past behind and have the glorious future that he has provided for us that is only possible through his cross, that we could get washed clean and set free from who I am, what I've thought, what I've done, and be made into the man that he always dreamed of when he created me. Well, somebody had to pay for that, and Jesus did. And it's only in him that we have that. It's only in him that we have that. I want you to see how much he loves you. To offer you that, Jesus said, I would rather die than live forever in heaven without you. I would rather go to hell on your behalf than have you go there. Why would we not run home to him? If he's saying, the world judges you on everything you've ever done or said or been or thought or categorizes you as this or that. I'm saying you're my son. You're my daughter. Let me wash you. Let me hold you. Let me, let me live in you. Let me open a new life to you that you never imagined. And it starts now and it only gets better. All right, I'm lost. I'm lost now. I got to get back. Got to get back. Okay. Anybody seen MTV Cribs? Oh, come on. Come on. Okay. For those of you who are my age and older, I'm going to help you with your cool factor. Um, a crib is, is like your, your, your home, your, your place. And MTV Cribs would take you through um, celebrity um, music star homes. This is a tour of Jesus' crib and yours if you love him. Here it is, verse 10. Here's what it looks like. And he carried me away. This is the angel carries John away. In the spirit 
to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. This is heaven and earth colliding in this new creation. Having the glory of God, its radiance like the most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. Now, I want you to engage your imagination, but if you already have, it is already difficult for you to to picture this rare jewel, this clear as crystal, this beautiful thing. Why is it hard for us to picture how awesome and beautiful this is? Here's why. Because everything stunning that you've seen on earth, a place, a person, a thing, everything beautiful that you've seen is fallen. It is affected by the curse, okay, of sin. Every beautiful piece of music or voice that you have heard, or or bird that is sung, whatever you like to hear, the, the, the rivers, that sound is fallen. Every beautiful thing that you've tasted, super premium ice cream, anything, anything, any delicious thing you've tasted is fallen. Everything you've felt, either um, tactily with your hands, or, or on your skin, or in your heart, everything is fallen. And even if it wasn't, even if it weren't, your senses, my senses, my, my sight, my touch, my, my hearing, that's fallen. So you combine these two things and you imagine when, when all creation is made new and I am healed and remade, you are going to see things as you've never been able to see, hear, touch, taste, feel, experience. That's why it's hard to imagine, but we must imagine. And I'll tell you why in a sec. It had a great high wall with 12 gates. And at the gates, 12 angels. And on the gates, the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, on the west three gates. And on the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Of the Lamb. Okay. Now, let's talk square footage. Because you're never going to move into a place if you don't know about the square footage, if you're a builder, right? Here we go. Verse 15. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square. It's a a square. And its length is the same as its width. For those of you who flunk geometry, that's the definition of a square. Right there. And he measured the city with his rod. 12,000 stadia. It's the length and width and height are equal. Okay, so it's not a square it's a cube, okay? And the dimensions of this are 12,000 stadia. And he measured also its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. So if you have those stadia tape measures, hang on to them. They'll be useful in eternity. Um, let's take these numbers and crunch them a little bit. Um, doing this rough, okay? 12,000 stadia, long, wide, and high. This is approximately 1,400 miles of footprint. You're saying, okay, that's bigger than I want to paint, but uh, it's not that big. It's the size of roughly, what, half the United States landmass, or maybe a little bit more. However, it is also 1,400 miles high. Now, 
think about this. If this city is, is done in floors or levels, and we give each floor, let's say roughly, because maybe God wants, you don't know how big you're going to be, right? Might have galaxies for earrings. We don't know. But let's say, let's say that each floor has its own atmosphere, its own sky. You want to make the ceilings 1,000 feet per floor. Pretty generous, I'd say. Hard to heat and cool, but it's God, okay? 1,000 feet tall ceilings. If you do that, it will take, oh, 80 planets to cover the, the floor space, which if you think about three to four billion believers, those who put their faith in Jesus Christ over the course of history, it gives you roughly between 50,000 and 100,000 acres per person, which I don't think you have to mow unless you want to, right? No edging, no weeds, but, but it's just, it blows your mind. It blows the mind. So here we go. In fact, it is so amazing. It is so amazing. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what the heart of man has not imagined is what God has prepared for those who love him. But people leave out verse 10. The beginning of verse 10 says, These things God has revealed to us through his spirit. Through his spirit through the Holy Spirit, through his word. So he's inviting us to imagine beyond the stars. Imagine beyond imagination. Dream incredible dreams. Envision the thrilling and the, and the most adventuresome and the most beautiful. Unleash your imagination on the wings of the word of God, infused by the spirit of God, and dream. And all the while that you do that, remember that it gets so much better. It gets so much better. Okay, we're going to go. We're going to go. It's length and width and height are equal. He also measured its wall. Okay, 18. The wall is built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, clear as glass. How you do that? I don't know. It's going to be amazing. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, second sapphire, third agate, the fourth emerald, fifth onyx, sixth carnelian, seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. I want you to get there. You can go online and look at all. It's, it's gorgeous when you put all these things together. This place is blinged out. Blinged out. You have never seen anything like it. Precious stones, gemstones are as common as gravel here. Gold is more plentiful than dirt. Okay? Now, in all of this, we keep in mind that our great treasure, the most beautiful thing, the thing we want is to be in the presence of our loving Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the source of all the joy and all the beauty and all of this other stuff. But it is amazing. And <clears throat> just as a sidebar, if you know me or if you've been here for a little while, you know that I enjoy bashing um, the prosperity gospel whenever I get the chance. Um, and not the people, but the prosperity gospel. And the prosperity gospel goes like this. Believe in Jesus, and during this life, he's going to bless you with tons of money, 
great health, cute kids who are stud athletes, geniuses, and models. Now, might that happen? Yeah, it might. Is it likely to happen? No. No. And we trick people into following Jesus for his stuff rather than for the beauty of being set free and loved forever. And um, the problem with the prosperity gospel is not the theology. Does God want to bless you that way? Will God bless you that way? Absolutely he will. The problem with the prosperity gospel is simply the timing. The timing. That God did not say that I'm going to give you the landslide dump truck, overwhelming, drowning in blessings in this life materially. He did say, he does say, it's coming when you get home. But until then and forevermore, your treasure needs to be me. I need to be your treasure. I need to be enough for you. When I am enough for you, in your eternity, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to overwhelm you with blessings upon blessings that you could never find the end of. Verse 22, it gets even better. And I saw no temple in the city. Guess I'm out of work. That's okay. You won't need anybody to tell you how much God loves you. You're going to know. For its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty himself, and the Lamb. That's Jesus. 23. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the lamp, is the Lamb. Jesus shines brighter than the gems, brighter than the gold. You, you remember that song, if you hung around in church, shine, Jesus shine. This is it. This is it. By its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will they bring their glory into it and its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. They will bring into the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing and no one unclean will ever enter it nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Well, there's that na- word again, that, that book. What do you do if you're like me? What, if you, what do you do if you're unclean? What do you do if you're detestable? What do you do if you're false and you still want that? You run to Jesus who says, Those are the people I came for. Those are the people I love. Because everybody, whether it's visible or invisible, is that. But I want to call you son. I want to call you daughter. I want to call you brother. I want to call you sister. I want to wash you clean. I want to wash over you. I want to fill you. I want to give you forgiveness. I want to give you life. I paid the price. It's freely offered. Receive it. How do you get your name written in the Lamb's book of life? You surrender fully to Jesus. You surrender fully to him. You say, I need a Savior. You are the Savior. I believe you lived a life I wish I lived, but didn't. And you died the death that I deserve in my place. Come, forgive me. Enter in. 
I give you my everything. Your name is written, right? And some of you are still not sure. Here's the difference that it makes. You've got to be sure. Here's the difference it makes. C.S. Lewis writes this. All your life, an unattainable ecstasy has hovered just beyond the grasp of your consciousness. The day is coming when you will wake to find beyond all hope that you have attained it or else that it was within your reach and you have lost it forever. You were made for a person and you were made for a place. The person you were made for is Jesus. The place is heaven, the eternal heaven. You can't get the eternal heaven without Jesus. It's a package deal. And you can't get Jesus without getting that. And so I ask the question, and I will ask it again and again. Are you sure that you're sure that you're sure that your name is written in the book of life? No, I'm not. I I haven't lived good enough. None of us have. Mother Teresa didn't. Tim Tebow doesn't. Billy Graham doesn't. The new Pope doesn't. That's why Jesus came. For losers and rule breakers and hard-hearted people just like me. Not to get in on our own merits, but to get in on his. And it's open. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? I want you to be sure. I don't want anybody walking out those doors without being sure. And you can be sure this morning. River of Life, we're going to touch on a few things in chapter 22, and then I'm going to let you go home. 22.1, the angel showed me the crystal, the, the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. You see, the living water, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, it's, it's, it's the river. It's, it's flooding this place. It's beautiful. It's like crystal clear through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life. Where do we see that? Right? You've seen that before. The tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. This is Eden, but better. And you see that the trees are changing and bearing fruit, and creation is changing. It is not static. God created creation, and let your mind just wander. Have you ever seen mountains change shape and change color? Have you ever seen trees and plants and flowers singing praise to God? Have you ever seen animals praying? Well, not not my dog. Never. Never. And you won't see her there either, because she's an unbeliever. I'm kidding. I love her. I say that for my wife's sake. Okay, that was mean. That was mean. I am. (laughs) Flourishing in ways you did not know things could flourish. Living and growing in ways that you could not see. Randy Alcorn puts it this way. Imagine it, all of it in its original condition. The happy dog with the wagging tail, not the snarling beast beaten and starved. The flowers unwilted, the grass undying, the blue sky without pollution. People smiling and joyful, not angry, depressed and empty. If you're not in a particularly beautiful place now, close your eyes and envision the most beautiful place you have ever been or ever seen. Complete with palm trees, raging rivers, jagged mountains, waterfalls or snowdrifts. 
Think of friends or family members who love Jesus and are with him now. Picture them with you walking together in this place. All of you have powerful, healthy bodies, stronger than those of an Olympic athlete. You are laughing and playing and talking and reminiscing. You reach up to a tree to pick an apple or an orange. You take a bite. It's so sweet that it's startling. You've never tasted anything so good. Now you see someone coming towards you. It's Jesus with a big smile on his face. You fall to your knees in worship. He pulls you up and embraces you. At last, you are with the person you were made for in the place you were meant to be. Everywhere you go, there will be new people and places to enjoy, new things to discover. What's that you smell? A feast, a party's ahead, and you're invited. There's exploration and work to be done, and you can't wait to get started. The new heaven and the new earth will be a never-ending, glorious adventure of a new recreated universe for you, with you and your loved ones and Jesus Christ who made it all possible and is showing his love and his glory by allowing this for you and providing. So, Tom, what difference does it make? You asked before on the poll how often I think about this reality. Even if it's just now that you've started thinking about it during our time. Why is that important? What good does it do me in the practical, here and now, everyday garbage that I'm involved in? The strained relationships, the problems at work, the money stuff, the love stuff, my worries with the family and the world and everything. Depression. What about all that? How does it help? A number of ways, and we'll go through them. The first, the first is my wife, whom I love. You're saying, hmm, yeah, it's nice being around her, but that nice? Yeah, that nice. But no, the, the, the thing I'm saying is nobody loves her children, our, our son and our daughter, as much. Or nobody loves them more than my wife does. Nobody enjoys, we're empty nesters now. Nobody enjoys when they're home quite the way my wife does. And nobody, because of that love, is more sad and heartbroken when that time nears an end. And they're getting ready to go back or we're getting ready to leave where they are. It's very, very difficult. So I kind of got wise to this, seeing the pattern. So what I have done is the last day that we're together, either at our home or where they are, the last day we spend planning the next trip, whether they're coming home or us going there. The tickets are bought. The the hotels are reserved. The dates are set. It's done. She has something that she can hang her hat on to say, yes, God willing, it's coming then. And we will be together again. And I know where and I know when and I'm looking forward to that day. And somehow it makes that grief a little easier. It makes that burden uh, a little lighter. It makes her joy a lot stronger because she has something beautiful to look forward to. If a flight on Southwest Airlines in a cheap hotel can do that for my wife. 
What can the promise of an eternity with the lover of your soul in the place that he has prepared for you in all his riches and glory, what can that do right now if we focus on that? To lighten your burden, to make the heartbreak easier to bear, to fill you with joy when you should have no joy. A lot. Think often. There's a great swimmer uh, in 1952. Her name was Florence Chadwick. And one morning she stepped into the waters of the Pacific. Because Florence Chadwick was going to swim from the island of Catalina to the mainland of the California coast. Now, she had already proven herself to be an incredible endurance athlete. She was the first woman to swim the English Channel in both directions. But this particular morning, as she stepped into the waters of the Pacific, it was stormy, it was foggy, it was cold, the winds and the, and the waves were contrary to her, the tides were not cooperative. And as she got in, she was resolved to do it. And she had safety boats, provision boats um, around her. And at times, it was so foggy and so choppy that she could not see the boats. And she swam 15 hours. And she was becoming tired. And she, was, she looked over to the boat that was closest in, to her, in which was her mother. And she said, Mom, I don't think I can do it. She said, Honey... Keep swimming. You're going to be okay. You're almost there. And she tried and she tried, but she got emotionally and physically drained and exhausted until she couldn't go another stroke. And she begged to be pulled into the boat, and they did. And only after she was in the boat and they traveled a little distance did she learn that she was only a half mile from the shore half a mile from the shore. They did a, a news conference because they were covering this. It's a, it's a great feat. Here's what she said. All I could see was the fog. I think I could, if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. Think about her words. All I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. For believers, the shore is Jesus Christ. For believers, the shore is being with him in the new heavens and the new earth for all eternity. Right now, maybe all you could see is the fog. But if you can see the finish line, if you can see how close you are, maybe you can fill you with the strength and the peace and the, and the joy and the perseverance to keep going, to keep going. You're almost home. Don't give up. Keep going. It's there. It's glorious. You can see it. Meditate on it. Think on it. Because then the words of Paul become real to us when he says, forgetting what is behind and focusing on what lies ahead, I press on to the goal. It's really hard to press on to the goal if you can't see it. So he's encouraging us to think on it, to believe on it. It can give us joy. It can give us joy. Here's my friend Mike. Mike... This is, this is a Powerball ticket. 
This is a Powerball. I don't know where it came from. Sheree must have bought it. Okay? Um, the drawing yesterday was for $216 million. That's a nice piece of pocket change, wouldn't you say? It has the winning numbers on it. I want you to have it. Okay? I fibbed. It does not have the winning numbers on it, or he would not be holding it. I want you... <clears throat> Okay, I want you to imagine, though, that it does. $216 million. It's a lot, whether you take the annuity or the lump sum, even after taxes. Here's the catch. You know that you've got it, right? You're holding the winning ticket that guarantees it. But there's th what they're saying is you can't have the payout until Christmas of this year. Christmas of this year. He has the ticket guaranteeing it. He doesn't get the, the, the cash. He didn't get the Benjamins until December 25th. What are these next nine months going to be like with just the promise of that? Are you going to worry about certain things the way you otherwise would have if you didn't know that was coming? No. No, of course you're not. I, I mean, if, if things get a little pinched, or something gets dicey, are you going to think, oh, no, probably not. Things are going to slide off you like water off a duck's back. Because you know it's just a matter of time before you got it all. If, now give it back to me, because I don't know, maybe, maybe they'll redraw or something. I don't Good analogy. If money, which is cheap, and here today, and gone tomorrow, and only buys you surface material things and experiences. If money, however much, can provide that kind of experience in between the time that we know we're getting it and the time when we actually get it, what can this do to our lives and the way we handle the difficulties of our lives? If you know that one day, you're going to be the arm in the arms of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who, who sees you as his treasure. And you're going to be wealthier in him than that makes Warren Buffett look like a homeless dude, right? Okay, here we go. We're going to finish with a couple of verses. Jesus is saying he's coming. 22.7, behold, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Jump to 12. Behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he's done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Verse 17, the Word of God, the Spirit of God wants to give you every, the reader, the hearer, every chance to accept the invitation. The Spirit and the bride say, come, come to him. And, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires the water of life without price. It's Jesus. It's heaven that you thirst for. It has been provided for you free of charge because he paid the price. God invites you to come. The church of all ages invites you to come. The spirit invites you to come. The word invites you to come. Will you come? Drops down to verse 20. It's the end of the book and the end of the Bible. He who testifies to these things, that's Jesus says, surely I am coming soon. I'm coming for you. 
Don't give up. Don't give in. I'm coming. I'm coming. And when I come, you will see it is all worth it. I am here for you. I'm going to be for you everything you ever dreamed, everything you ever wanted, everything you ever needed, everything you ever did without. I'm coming to make you new. I'm coming to make it all new. I'm coming to wash you. I'm coming to take you home. I'm coming. And John writes, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. I'm not yelling because I'm mad. I'm yelling because it's so important. And I can't get it out. I can't. It's impossible for me to exaggerate. It's impossible for me to promise something that is greater than what God does. It's impossible. And I will close the message as Alcorn closes his book. We are all made for a person and a place. Jesus is the person. Heaven is the place. If you know Jesus, I'll be with you in that resurrected world. And with the Lord we love and the friends and family we cherish, we'll embark together on the ultimate adventure in a spectacular new universe awaiting our exploration and dominion. Jesus will be at the center of all things and joy will be the very air that we breathe. And right when we think it doesn't get any better than this, it will. Let's pray. Lord, I know who I am and I know what I am and I know that you have every right to strip me of every good thing and every blessing not provide for me that way not promise me those things because I have rebelled against you my heart has been hard I've wanted to make a life without you and yet you still want me back. You want all of us back. And Lord, I have the assurance. I have the assurance that my name is in the book. Not because of what I have done, but because of what you have done for me. And Lord, I, you love every person in this room. And Lord, I love them too. And I want everyone to have that same assurance, that same love relationship, that same hope, that same joy. Lord, not because I want a big church, but because you love people and you want them home and you've taken one like me in and I know you'll take them too. So I'm still praying, I ask if you're not sure, if you're not sure that this is your inheritance, that your name is written in the book of life, if you've heard the invitation if you've heard all that Jesus has done to die rather than live in eternity without you, then pray this in your heart. Lord, I know what I am and I know what I've done and I know that's not pleasing to you. But Lord, I know now what you've done for me, coming for me to rescue me, living the life 
that I should have lived but didn't, and dying the death to pay for all of my sins, the death that I deserved. Lord, I ask you now to forgive me. I ask you now to make me new as you make all things new. I ask you to come into my life and my heart as I open it to you and surrender to you. And I ask you to come in to be my Lord, to be my Savior. And you promised that you would. I receive you now. Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' name.